we have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Hey everybody, welcome in. It's the Utopia Football Podcast. We are on our Thursday episode of the show. We're a week and change away from the Super Bowl. We've got some Texans news to get to that we want to dig into. Um, we've got some for real or for gazes, and we've got some news on the podcast as well that we will get to at the end as well here as we welcome you in on a uh, on a Thursday. I'm Sean Pendergast, one half of Payne and Pendergast Sports Radio 610, along with my good friend, the Hall of Famer, senior columnist at SportsRadio610.com, John McClain. John, how are we doing? Doing great. Looking forward to the Super Bowl. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, John, I was seeing that the prices on tickets for the Super Bowl are over eight thousand dollars. That's the get-in price for the super for this Super Bowl. The, the highest one previously was this matchup four years ago, Kansas City and San Francisco. The get-in price, the cheapest price, was six thousand three hundred and seventy dollars for that one. This one, the cheapest, is eight thousand one hundred and eighty-eight dollars to get into Allegiant Stadium. Very easy for their fans to get to Las Vegas, uh, both of them. And, yeah. of course, the I would imagine the 49ers fans, they're not used to going to the Super Bowl where the Chiefs fans are. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing when we think about it, there's going to be more money spent coming from the Bay Area. Yeah. I had a texter. We brought this up on Payne and Pendergast today. There's a texter that sent in an interesting notion that maybe why it's this much higher in Vegas than previous Super Bowls is because of the casino element and you've got high rollers and you got some of the big casinos that are buying up Super Bowl tickets for their for their high rollers as comps, you know, because you got people that come in and, and gamble literally tens of thousands of dollars at some of these casinos. And that maybe that maybe some of the some of the hotels are buying up the tickets too to give to their high rollers. That would boy, that's that's quite the expenditure for a high roller. You're, you got to gamble quite a bit, I would think, to have your casino drop a couple tickets to Super Bowl 50, 58 on you. <laughs> I'm guessing if Mattress Mag said, hey, I want to come to the Super Bowl, yeah. he'd be going to the Super Bowl for free. Yeah, probably. Okay, now that's now, John, now that you apply a name to it that we know bets millions and millions of dollars, yes, that would probably be the case. And there's lots of those people out there that like to bet big, big bucks in the uh, in the casinos out there. Um, so, uh, so we got that coming up a week from Sunday, John, let's get to some of the Texan stuff that's going on. Let's start with the coaching staff. And since you and I last sat down on the podcast, um, I would say the best case scenario played out. If you're a Texan fan that Bobby Slowick dipped his toe in the water, did a bunch of interviews, got a lot of interest from some teams. And in the end decides to sign a contract and a raise with the Houston Texans. Gerard Johnson, similarly, just a couple hours later, this all came down on Tuesday the night of the Houston Sports Awards, which we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, but Gerard Johnson and Bobby Slowick both sticking around, John. This is a this is a best-case scenario, in my opinion, for the Texans. Absolutely. I never expected them to leave. I thought they'd both be back because neither one's ready for the position that they were interviewing for. Bobby needs another season as a play caller. Gerard was a quarterback coach for the first time. Uh, he needs another year, year from now. I'm guessing Slowick will be gone and Gerard will be promoted to play caller for C.J. Stroud. So it's the best possible thing. And the McNairs did a very fair thing. You know, Nick Casario went to him and said, I would like to sign these guys to new deals uh, with raises. And they signed off on it. You know, a lot of owners don't do that. 
They have a budget. And, of course, the Texans have a budget. Mm -hmm. But when you have to do things that's best for the team, the McNairs will do it, and this is a great example. Yeah, I don't know that we can come up with an example. I'm guessing we wouldn't hear about an example uh, if there was something out there that they didn't spend the money on the McNairs. Um, you only hear about it when it actually happens. But I, you hear enough stories behind the scenes where um, in terms of the – facilities, cafeteria, weight room. Like there was even when Jack Easterby was in the building, John, and he was running all that stuff. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that, that, that he was, you know, that was under his umbrella that got implemented in the building that was, you know, that was met with a lot of praise. I know there's a lot that came with Jack Easterby that was certainly not praiseworthy, but this goes back a while, you know, through Cal's regime, you know, back to when he took over the team in 2018 I mean, you hear about it all the time. Like they, they invest in this, they, they invest in whatever, whoever the head coach is seems to, and the GM seems to get what they want when they need it. When Rick Smith wanted to move training camp to uh, West Virginia, the Greenbrier uh, interviewed Bob McNair, he signed off on it. And I said, how much is this going to cost you to do this? He said, 4 million. And they didn't think twice about it because Rick Smith and O'Brien didn't want to do it and went along with it. And then after two years, Rick was gone, and then the contract was up, and O'Brien didn't want to go back. And I told Cal McNair, you had a blast. Make him go back. Of course, I wanted to go back at the Chronicles' expense. <laughs> but fun. <laughs> I've never game. seen uh, the McNairs say no on money when it comes to expenditures that their people, whether it's the president like Greg Grissom now, Jamie Roots in the past, or the general managers, that uh, they will always say, okay, it's almost how much do you need? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what you want from your owner, right, John? You want Absolutely. to spend the money, spend the money and hire the right people. Stay out and, of it. And stay out of it. And and Cal has always has always checked two of those boxes. And now that he's got Nick and D'Amico and everybody else in place, he's checked all three of them. That's the kind of owner you want. Um, absolutely for the Houston Texans, for your team. Um, as far, so we got Bobby Slowick and Gerard Johnson sticking around. That's good news. Um, the only departure so far, John has been Jacques Cesaire, the defensive line coach. He won't be back next year. Um, do you, I, I guess we never really dug into that too much when it happened, but as long as we're talking about the coaching staff right now, are they going to promote somebody? Are they going to find somebody to coach the D-line? And do you expect any more changes on the staff during the offseason? Last season when the defensive line was so improved and such a big part of what they did on defense, and D'Amico talked about it every week about the defensive lines, why I think the first pick will be a defensive lineman. Uh, Matt Burke, defensive line has been his baby when he's coached throughout his career. And so I was told he was basically the guy coaching the defensive line. And so that would make Jacques Cesaire uh, expendable, and he's already got another job. And so maybe they'll elevate the assistant. Maybe they'll hire somebody else. But uh, that's Matt Burke. Any praise for the line starts with Matt Burke. And then, of course, D'Amico's play calls. Yeah, so so Matt Burke is kind of to the D-line what D'Amico is to the defense overall, yes, where they've got absolutely. a bigger title than they actually are. Yeah. Um, okay. So now um, C.J. Stroud, we mentioned the Houston Sports Awards. John, any shock at all that, that C.J. swept all – I'll say all three awards he was up for, Newcomer of the Year, Athlete of the Year, and then Moment of the Year was the moment that C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson were drafted. So I'm going to count that as a C.J. Stroud award as well. 
um, won all three of those. And the reaction, you were there. I mean, to anything C.J. Stroud related, John, it felt like the volume of the cheers was three or four times what it was for the next closest person. He owns this town. It right sure now. was, and he couldn't yeah. be there because he's at the Pro Bowl, of course. Yeah. And different people accepted for him, Andre Johnson, Chester Pitts, and I thought it was tremendous for him uh, to get that. And I wish he'll hear about the cheering and everything, but in, you know, if you, and maybe they taped it on TV for him, but uh, it's, it's, it was a wonderful thing shows you where the team is. And maybe this time next year, there will be more awards for the Texans. And of course, I think it was great seeing Joe spot the new Astros manager there. And hopefully it'll be between the Texans and the Astros. And because the Texans keep getting better and the Astros at least get to the American league championship series again. So, Things are sure looking up, and uh, and I thought it was great. I just wish CJ had been there to hear it. Yeah, it would have been awesome. I mean, he would, yeah, he'd, he'd have gotten his workout in just going up to the stage each time. <laughs> he, would, he would have been going up there. He would have been going up there quite a bit. Um, you mentioned he's at the Pro Bowl. I think that, John, I, I don't know that that had come down yet. I can't remember our full conversation on uh, on Tuesday. Um, but CJ Stroud named to the uh named to the, the Pro Bowl games as well, which I think is tonight. I'm actually kind of excited to watch the uh precision passing event, John, now that the Texans have a quarterback who is a self-proclaimed ball placement specialist playing in this thing. I'm gonna have to go find I'm gonna have to go find a corner of the uh nefarious gambling universe to put a couple shekels down on CJ Stroud in this thing tonight. I didn't even know there. I I pay no attention to the Pro Bowl at all anymore. So many people like Stroud get in as an alternate. And when you're voting on the Pro Football Fame Selection Committee and you hear like Andre Johnson went to seven Pro Bowls. Well, none of them was he an alternate. Another guy be, well, he went to eight Pro Bowls. Oops, four times he was an alternate. So it's really important uh, in the future for the committee to pay close attention, whether they were originals or where they were alternates, because today you might end up with 50 guys on both teams and about 20 of them were alternates. Well, especially quarterbacks for some reason. (laughs) You know, like for some reason it feels like every year, we get down to like the sixth or seventh quarterback. To wit, Gardner Minshew is also one of the quarterbacks that's oh playing goodness. in this Pro Bowl. Did you know that, John? Or you just no, I remember one game? year I was at uh, the Maxims party on the Saturday night before the Super Bowl. We were in Miami, and I get a call from a PR guy, and I'll say who it is, the late, great Jason Jenkins from the Dolphins. He was working – PR at the Pro Bowl in uh, in Honolulu, I believe. And he calls me and I stagger out of this party. And he said, I thought you'd want to know Vince Young just got, uh, is going to the Pro Bowl and uh, you can have it. And so I'm like, whoa, okay. Vince is such big news here, even though he was, I can't remember, second, third alternate. So I called in the Chronicle, dictated the story. We got a scoop out of it. And back when they didn't make a lot of money, like they don't today, then you'd see a lot of quarterbacks go to the Pro Bowl, even mm-hmm. though they play. Because to me, if when you took it out of Hawaii, you know, you took a big chunk away from it because families love to go to Hawaii, kids love yeah. to go to Hawaii, and, and Orlando's just not the same. No. And, and one of the reasons they tried to force Hawaii to build a new stadium from Aloha Stadium just because the Pro Bowl wanted to be better. And they got other events there. And, it, and they do need a new stadium from Aloha Stadium. And at one point, June Jones was the point man 
on trying to get the tax money and the businesses to donate, but they never pulled it out. So I don't think they'll ever go back. And let me tell you, Sean, one of the, oh boy, the, I had so much fun going to the Pro Bowl 12 years in a row and about 16 years overall, all on the Chronicles expense. Oh, I was just about to ask you. So hold up. I was, John, I was expecting you to ask, I was expecting to ask you the question like, so did you ever get to go to a Pro Bowl? And you were going to name like, yeah, in 1981. And in 1996, I went to the pro. You went 16. They sent you to the to Hawaii to cover the Pro Bowl 16 consecutive years. You talk a lot about a lot of complaining in the office from the other writers. Oh, and I'm the sure. deal was the first one they sent me to, the sports editor, Dan Cunningham, says, well, since the Buffalo playoff choke, none of those players have been quoted since after the game. And there's nine of them in the Pro Bowl. Why don't you go over there and do some interviews and see what it's been like for them? So I did. And they were great. And then I saw all the players, commissioner, you got all kinds of stories if you went over there. And so few members of the media went. It was great stuff. So then the next year, yeah, you can go as long as you keep getting stories. And I kept mm -hmm. getting stories until the bottom fell out of the newspaper business. And uh, it had to be a special situation to go. So out of those 16, I think once we paid our own way okay. because it, I thought it was going to it was. I uh, can't remember. It was a special occasion. And uh, the highlight of that week was two walking down a hallway mm -hmm. at the Ritz Carlton and seeing down this long hallway at one end, both with a foot on the wall, talking to each other, Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. Wow. And as I got up close, of course, they shut up. And the other one was watching, staying a day later and mm -hmm. watching Andy Reid and Mike Holmgren come out of the water in their jams. <laughs> that sounds terrible. That made me look good. <laughs> I was about to say, did you jump in there with them? <laughs> no, nobody would have seen me. <laughs> um, so so you started going then in the 90s. I was expecting after to, the 92 season. Yeah, like when you said you went 16 straight years, I mean, you've been doing this a while. I was expecting it to be like from the time Earl Campbell started going to the Pro Bowl. And they sent you on the first few that he went to. And then you just kept going through the 80s and the early 90s. You started in on it virtually at the end of the, what, of the Houston Oilers, it sounds like. If they, hadn't blown that, if they hadn't blown that playoff game in Buffalo, I never would have got a chance to go. Okay, so the question is, are you glad they blew that playoff game in Buffalo now because you got to go to Hawaii? Hell yeah. Too. And after a while, because <laughs> I kept getting so many good stories because of the yeah. access you had over there. and But then eventually uh, – you know, it became cost prohibitive, and then they quit going. The league meetings were out there yeah. for four years. I probably got four wow. more free trips out there to oh, Maui, uh, yeah. where the league meetings were. And then one year it rained the whole time, and the owner said, We're not going to fly all the way out here for a week. Yeah. Long. So, they, so they never went back. They started slumming it at the Biltmore in Scotland. Well, they'd been, it had been rotated between Hawaii, Arizona at the Biltmore. Yeah. It's Palm, Palm, uh, Springs, Springs yeah. at a Marriott five-star resort that was so nice. You had yeah. to take a boat on a river to your room. And the other one was in Orlando and uh, at a, at a monstrous Hyatt this year I was going and yeah. I'm not now, but I was because it's back in Orlando. And yeah. uh, I had more fun going to those league meetings uh, than I ever have. Combine's a lot of fun too, mm -hmm. but those mm -hmm. league meetings were the owners stay in fantastic resorts and there's no pressure was great. And then when they moved to pro bowl, I had no interest, even if I could have gone in going to Orlando. 
Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, I mean, he can he can go to Orlando anytime. Like Hawaii is a special kind of thing. Um, all right. Uh, so John, so we got got CJ checked off here. We got the coaching staff checked off. You ready to do some for real or fugazis, my friend? I uh, sure am. Okay, this is how we do it for real or fugazi. I read a sentence to John. I read it as if it is fact. If he agrees with it, thinks it's fact, thinks that what I just said it might be an opinion too. But John may agree with it and say it's for real. If he thinks uh, my opinion is silly or I'm saying something that is false, he says, Fugazi. Fugazi. And he says it with great emphasis. He announces his presence with authority. Uh, it's Italian for counterfeit, fake, and Sean is stupid. All right, let's. Um, I'm going to start with a couple Texans-related ones, John. Um, and you touched on this earlier, but we'll for real or Fugazi this one. Uh, in week one of 2025, Gerard Johnson will be the Houston Texans offensive coordinator. For real, I believe that, Fugazi. That's for real, because I think Bobby Slowick, even though the schedule is going to be a lot tougher and their record may not be as good, I think C.J. Stroud will be good. The offense will be good, especially if they elevate the running game. Slowick will get a good job, and Johnson will be promoted to make sure he doesn't go to another team. Yeah, I don't know how many people realize how much the Texans step up in weight class next year Ooh, when it comes it's a to the schedule. It's, it, it, and, and it's mostly, for me, it's quarterbacks. And whereas this year, I think you can make an argument like that Joe Flacco or Baker Mayfield was the third best quarterback they played during the season. You know, they played Lamar Jackson early. I'm talking about the regular season. I know they played him in the last game, too. Joe Burrow they played. Um, depending on how you feel about Trevor Lawrence, you know, he he's, but that's where we are. Like after that, it's Trevor Lawrence, it's Baker Mayfield. It might be Joe Flacco. Um, next year, John, they play the three quarterbacks that were supposed to be at the pro bowl by virtue of the vote, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, and Tua Tungavailoa. They play all three of them. Plus Josh Allen, who was the fourth alternate, Plus Gardner Minshew, who, well, that'll be Anthony Richardson. I'm joking about Gardner Minshew. But they they play Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Tua, Josh Allen. And then over on the NFC side, they're, they're, they're playing Dak Prescott. Um, they're playing the Lions with Jared Goff. They're playing Jordan Love with the Packers. Probably Caleb Williams with Chicago. That actually would be a game where you're, you feel like they've, they've got a pretty good grasp on that one because while a highly drafted rookie, I don't think he's going to be C.J. Stroud next year, especially playing for the Bears. So, um, so yeah, it's a it's a big step up in weight class for them next year for sure. Last time that happened was in nineteen, and the next year they started. They played that brutal schedule, started zero and four, and Bill O'Brien yeah. got fired. O'Brien was gone by the beginning of October that year. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, all right, uh, John. Um, last night, I don't know if you saw it, but Mike Evans was courtside. Tampa Bay wide receiver Mike Evans, Galveston native, was courtside at the uh, Rockets Pelicans game for real or Fugazi, John. It's a sign he's going to be a Houston Texan in twenty twenty four. Fugazi, Mike Evans is not coming here. They're not even going to let him get away. He'll be franchised or he will sign a contract. He had a wow. great year. You think they franchise him at age 31, huh? I guess that would be that probably the more prudent thing to do would be to franchise tag him at that age. And just and if he signs, great, you're on the hook for one year because he's at that age, John, where it starts to teeter a little bit for wide receivers, you know. He showed no signs of let up this year. He was actually – he had one of his better seasons working with Baker Mayfield. Yeah. What do you think he wants to do, John? What do you like? If, if all things being equal mo monetarily, do you think he would rather stay in Tampa? Or you think? I know we don't know the answer to that, but I, like, do you think he'd rather stay there or come here? If you were him, what would you want to do? If I were Baker Mayfield, I'd stay right there. It's worked out no, no, very no, no. well. Oh. Mike Evans. Oh, Mike, Mike Evans. Evans. Yeah, I'm guessing he'd rather stay in Tampa, where he's been in his whole career. Great city. Uh, uh, I'm sure he's got a mansion. 
I mean, yeah. I don't know, but I'm guessing he wants to do with players he's familiar with and uh, and coach and everything else. It's just very easy for him there to his age. All right, next one, John. Uh, Jerry Jones said earlier this week that the Cowboys are going, quote, all in for 2024. Uh, for real or for Gazy, the Cowboys are going to sign at least one big high-ticket free agent in free agency this year. Gazy, they got they – got, they're going to have to spend a lot of money on their own people. Mm-hmm. Jack Prescott, boy, he has got Jerry by the footballs on his contract. Yeah. It's going to cost him a lot of money. So I don't see him doing that. That hasn't been, that hasn't been his cup of tea, so to speak. And they got so much talent. You know, the problem is a coach and a quarterback who have struggled in the playoffs. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I don't, I mean, they got C- C- They haven't signed C.D. Lamb to a deal yet either, have they, John? I don't no, think. No, not yet. Yeah. He wants big money. Yeah, so he wants big re- receiver money. That's thirty million a year these days. Dak's Ooh. cap hit, as you point out, is fifty nine million right now. Um, I mean, that that you smooth that out by extending him, but you're also committing to Dak Prescott, you know, which is uh, which is you know somewhat controversial for some Cowboy fans, even though he was among the five finalists for the MVP award. It's it's. What a weird year for the MVP award. I think it's so stupid for Jerry Jones to say he could work with Bill Belichick when he's got Mike McCarthy on a one-year deal, lame duck. As soon as he said that, now constantly it's about Belichick and McCarthy. No coach is under more pressure than Mike McCarthy. Nope. Um, All right, speaking of hires, John, uh, Dan Quinn, now former Dallas Cowboy defensive coordinator because right before you and I started recording today, it was reported that Dan Quinn will be taking the Washington Commanders head coaching job. John Ferreira Fugazi, Dan Quinn, retread higher. Is what? Retread? Dan Quinn, is he a retread hire? Yeah. Oh, for real. Of course he's a retread hire. He's been fired. He interviewed in Seattle. Everybody thought he was going to Seattle. Yeah. And he went to the Super Bowl with Atlanta, and they blew it when Kyle Shanahan didn't call plays the correct way. But I, I do think this. I think Dan's a good guy. Everybody likes him. Mm-hmm. He did a great job with the Cowboys except the last game. But that, to me, it's not the way you start a new regime in no. Washington from somebody – coming off a terrible game for your most bitter rival. Is that as yeah. good as you can do? I'm really surprised about that. Well, they And they were kind of freaking out. Seth and I were talking about this this morning. Like they, they were kind of, they'd been kind of freaking out up in Washington that they were, you know, that their coaching search was going on for so long. And then when Ben Johnson and Bobby Slowick, who were thought to be the top two candidates for that job, both decide to go back to their teams. You and I actually talked about this with Ben Johnson, Bobby, the Bobby Slowick news hadn't come down when you and I recorded on Tuesday, but you're, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seemed like your impression was, yeah, Ben Johnson's going back to Detroit because he got wind that he wasn't getting that job in Washington. Do you think the same thing happened with Slowick too, that he got wind, he wasn't going to get that job. So he decided to come back to the Texans. Do you think Washington kind of stiff arm both these guys or do they both really just not want to go there? I'm guessing because if they're interviewing, it means they wanted to do it. Yeah. And Ben Johnson, everybody said was going there. Yeah. Now, there's as we've talked about this before, they got a lot of cooks in that kitchen, and it's not mm-hmm. good uh, because 
I wouldn't want Magic Johnson in there tweeting after every game. I don't want no. minor partners to have any role in it. I wouldn't want Bob Myers, who came from the Golden State Warriors. I would want to be the coach who answers to the general manager, Adam Peters, who came from the 49ers with nobody else telling us what to do. And the owner, Josh Harris, who's done a good job in the other two sports, just keeping up with what's going on, making sure we got the resources the way the McNairs do in Houston. So yeah. we'll never know that. But for Ben Johnson to pass up opportunities two years in a row uh, and go back, what if Jared Goff gets hurt and all of a sudden they're not in the playoffs and the bloom is off the rose? So mm-hmm. I just can't imagine. He said, no, I have no clue, of course. But if you're interviewing for a bunch of jobs, it means you want to be a head coach. And if he said, now nah, I'm going back to Detroit as coordinator, it yeah. means something is doesn't pass the smell test. I'm with you on that. Like last year, I'll, I'll buy it because he did a couple first interviews and immediately went back to Detroit. This, yeah. you, you know, these guys went way too far down the road this time for me to think that they didn't at least get some indications that Washington was going in a different direction. Now, it's kind of funny because Mike McDonald – the DC in Baltimore wound up getting the Seattle job. I think if somebody had told me at the beginning of the week, these are the last two jobs that are open, Dan Quinn and Mike McDonald are going to get those two jobs. I would have probably had it flipped around and had McDonald going to Washington and had Dan Quinn going back to Seattle. Certainly with Quinn, that's what it was looking like. It was happening, right? I agree. And just the looks of how hated the Cowboys are in Washington area. And then you're taking one of theirs. Yeah. Especially a guy that who looked like he coached the worst game of his career. I'm yeah. surprised Mike Vrabel didn't get a job. I'm guessing yeah. he wanted one. He did interviews. Don't know if it's him. He's got plenty of money. But I thought, you know, I I would have taken Vrabel over Dan Quinn, even though Quinn's been to the Super Bowl, and uh, they could have sold that better. But I can't imagine what the fan reaction is in Washington over over Dan Quinn being hired from Dallas. Well, it's, you know, John, it, there's some, I think it was Schefter who tweeted out, I got to find it, but there, I mean, next year's coaching cycle, you know, feels like it, next year's coaching cycle feels like it, we're going in like one of those high, like, like one of those quarterback draft classes where it's like, holy cow, look at these four quarterbacks that could go in the top seven or whatever. Um, you know, after the hire of, uh, of, of Dan Quinn in Washington, next year's coaching cycle could include Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, Mike Vrabel. Aaron Glenn, Ben Johnson, Anthony Weaver got a lot of run this go around. Bobby Slowick. Bobby Slowick. Yeah, he and he didn't even have Bobby's name in here. He's got Eric Bieniemy. I don't think Bieniemy's ever getting Eric a head coaching Eric Bieniemy's never going to get a head coaching job. Giro Ivero is a really interesting name to yeah. me because I feel like nobody's interviewed for more jobs the last two years in Ivero, and he gets a lot of love. And yet here he sits as the defense. Where is he now? He was in Carolina last year. I'm guessing he got cleaned they're, out with everybody they're else. They're trying there. to keep him there, and he has an offer from somewhere else, and I forgot okay. where it was. So he's still well thought of, at least at the D.C. level. He, yeah. He's well thought I'll of. I'll tell you what's weird, Sean. I can't yeah. remember the last time a team hired a college coach, a college head coach, to take a demotion to come in and be a coordinator like the Packers did. Mm-hmm. When there's so many good coaches out there, like I'm guessing Anthony Weaver will be promoted in Baltimore, in Baltimore to yeah. coordinator. And, uh, but, or maybe he could go with Mike McDaniel, McDonald. But that thing with Boston College coach, it just stunned me. They must know something about him that nobody else does because there's so many qualified people in the NFL to take over a defense. 
Well, and I guess, I, I mean, I guess the, you got to factor in what the job is at college, but the, the, the defensive, where did, where did uh, the BC coach end up going to be the DC, John? That you were Green Bay. About? Green Bay. That's right. Green. So I guess the, I guess the Green Bay, the Green Bay defensive coordinator job is a better job than being the head coach at Boston College. Uh, yes. It would seem like. Does it pay better? I mean, I got to think a power five coach, even at BC, I mean, they're in a power five conference. It's got to be making three, four million a year, I would think. I would uh, think. And they're paying so much, though, for coordinators now in the NFL, multiple millions okay. of dollars if they want you and you're good. He yeah. must have a dream of coaching in the NFL and thinks that this is the best way to go about it. And the way the Packers were improved and they fired their coordinator, yeah. Joe Barry, after a really unexpectedly good season, they could be better next season. And he might have thought, you know what, I'll take a pay cut of a million to go there and have a chance to hit the pot, jackpot. All right, John, let's do a couple more here. I want to do these about some Kansas City Chiefs. Not Patrick Mahomes, uh, actually a couple of others. Travis Kelsey. John, if Travis Kelsey were to retire after this Super Bowl, because there's been intimations of that this season, that he might he might be ready to hang it up. For real or Fugazi, he walks away as the greatest tight end in the history of the NFL. Fugazi, I don't think he's going he's gonna to retire, but I think Fugazi, no, Gronkowski, I like Gronk say, better? Yeah, I do. And uh, But Kelsey's great, and there have been some great tight ends throughout history, beginning with Mike Ditka, who blocked and uh, caught passes. And there's others, yeah. John Mackey Award for tight ends. But Kelsey's been great, and, and Taylor Swift's been the best thing to happen to him because he's getting all these commercials, not oh. because of Patrick Mahomes, but because of Taylor Swift. And I think yeah. I can't wait to see, and maybe you know, what's the over-under? on Swift sweet shots in the Super Bowl. I'm sure there's a number. John, I got the email with all the prop bets in it the other day, and I either I'd had a couple beverages or I was at a point in the day where I just couldn't process. It was too much overload of all the prop bets that were in there, so I stored it. I said, this feels like a Friday afternoon thing for me before I head to Vegas, you know? Um, so I don't know. I'm sure there's a bet for it. I'm sure there's a bet for how many times she gets shown up there. I'm sure there's a bet for how many times uh, Tony Romo accidentally calls her Travis Kelsey's wife. Uh, I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's all sorts of Tay Tay prop bets there. That that might be what gets my daughter into gambling. John, actual bets on Taylor Swift. She's a huge Swifty. My daughter is, and she likes Travis Kelsey now too, which is just disgusting, really. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So you got Gronk, and and the blocking's the big thing with Gronk, right? Like he's you get him out there all three downs. He can. Block he's a great him. blocker, and Kelsey yeah. will block, but they line him up in the slot and outside so much. He's like an overgrown wide receiver, but he's yeah. a tough guy. And they'll both go to the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. Yep. All right, last one, John. Um, Andy Reid, he's won two Super Bowls, right? Uh, been to another with uh, – been to been to three, won two with the Chiefs, been to one with the Eagles as well. Um, John, if Andy Reid wins two more Super Bowls, that'll get him to four. For real or Fugazi? Andy Reid winning four Super Bowls with his entire body of work is enough to at least get him into the GOAT argument for head coaches with Bill Belichick. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to say I'll say for real. Okay. But when you think of the Chiefs, do you think Andy Reid? No, you think of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. When you thought of the Cowboys, you thought of Staubach, Dolphins with Shula, Packers, Lombardi. 49ers Walsh and Andy's a great coach, but Andy wasn't a great coach till he got Mahomes. And it's usually the way it is. If you're a great coach, you got a great quarterback, but he's got a chance 
to finish as the all-time winningest coach. I don't see him retiring anytime soon, even though it's a media concoction that he might, because, you know, what's he going to do? And he loves it so much, and he's so good at it. And what I like is the way the way he's had to change his offense based on not based on letting uh, Tyreek Hill go yeah. and the way they've become a prior, a big defensive team. I love the way he's made adjustments. Plus he's one of the all time great guys who doesn't love Andy, the cheeseburger eating Andy Reid. I think yeah. it's great. State farms put him in commercials. So I think he's got a chance to, to pass Shula. If Bo- yeah. Belichick never coaches again to be the all time winner. You got a ways to go, but I mean, you have to take a few years, but he'd get in the conversation for sure. I guess that's why like six Super Bowl championships versus two is like, I, you know, I don't, it's a subjective artificial line that I'm creating here, but like, that's too big. But like, I think about, and maybe part of me thinking about six titles versus four titles is that's what it is for Michael Jordan and LeBron James. You know, they, it's six versus four. I think it's still six versus four. Um, I think LeBron's got one with the Lakers, one with the Cavs, and he's got two with the Heat. And that that's not a conversation that people just ignore and say, you know, like, no, it's definitely this guy or it's definitely that guy. Um, I, I think my big thing with with um, with Andy Reid versus Bill Belichick, if we take the chunks of their career where, OK, Reid had Mahomes and he's winning all these Super Bowls. Belichick had Brady's winning all these Super Bowls. If we take those as two things that sort of kind of semi cancel each other out a little bit, what does the rest of it look like? The rest of it looks way better for Andy Reid, actually. Absolutely. Like he, he was his teams were consistently more competitive and going to conference title games. Belichick's best performance without Tom Brady at quarterback, I think he, he did he make a playoff in Cleveland or no? One year remember. in Cleveland, and then that year he had Matt Castle. It was eleven and five, but they didn't make the playoffs. Didn't make the but playoffs. Andy went to the Super Bowl with Philadelphia. Yeah. So he would be way out of Belichick. Yeah, that, that's sort of my argument. Like, yeah, like six versus if you're gonna if we're just gonna do the number of Super Bowls, and there's no reason to have a debate. But if we're gonna entertain a debate, I would I would say here's Andy Reid's non-Mahomes. I mean, Andy, they were two and fourteen in Kansas City when he took over there, and they 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 go, they make the trade for Alex Smith, and they're in the playoffs the next year, you know. Um, so uh I I think you know, it takes some work, but I think it'd be an interesting debate. Um all right, John, we should probably let this audience know because we didn't talk about this on Tuesday. This will be your last Utopia podcast, sadly. And I know you. we talked about this on Pain and Pendergast yesterday, um, that uh, that you will uh, no longer be with Sports Radio 610 and by proxy no longer part of the Utopia football podcast, which saddens me greatly and I think probably saddens the audience too. But I thought we should uh, certainly let the audience know that and, and, and give you uh, a chance here to talk about that a little bit on the podcast well my last appearance at sports radio 610 will be at four o'clock on uh friday with clint turner and ron hugley i got laid off tuesday i put out about 12 p- tweets uh uh wednesday morning and i'm still returning texts dms calls people are just unbelievable and uh and i appreciate it so much and i had a blast i've been on 610 24 years in a row I've been on the radio 39 years in a row. You never know. I might continue to be on the radio. I'll mm-hmm. still do uh, Texans radio, and I still do my shows in other cities. And But it's been great at 610. I loved writing for the website, working with Brandon Scott, Sean Bajani, and then being able to be on when the morning guys, midday guys, and the afternoon guys. And be it you know, for the years, it's amazing to me how many people have come and gone at 610 since I've left uh, KTRH 
for 610 in 2000 because I knew 610 was going to be the uh, flagship station for the Texans and I always wanted to be on the flagship station, which I was uh, with the Oilers. And so I'm going to miss doing it because, as you know, Sean, talking for money, I've always said is like stealing. I wanted yeah. to think the Chronicle wrote a story about it, awful announcing. Barrett Media, a lot of people picked up and did it, and it was all very gracious. And uh, I'll miss everyone. Don't know if I'll be back, but I'm not going away right now. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. No, you. And thanks, Parker Hills. Parker's the program director, and he's the one that had to tell me. And I felt terrible. I said, Parker, I feel bad for you. And uh, I told him, I said, this happens. I said, it's, I understand the business and uh, do not worry about it. And uh, Sarah Frazier, longtime GM, I've known her forever. I yep. know it was a difficult decision for them and it came, it wasn't, it wasn't all done by 610. And I had a blast doing all this and I'll miss doing our podcast. I love doing those as well. Yeah, for sure, John. Me too. I, I I think I I told you this the night that we did the toast for you at the Improv a, a couple of years ago. Uh, one of the one of the big reasons I was so excited about coming to Six Ten was to get the chance to work with you because I just I enjoyed your work so much through the years, and you and I gotten to be friendly even before I got over to Six Ten. So I was I, I've enjoyed every minute of of working with you on the air. Um, I you know my two sons adore you, um, and I've enjoyed every minute of uh, of doing the the podcast with you. Uh, as well. It's, it's just been, I, I, I always, I tell, I tell my sons every day, like every Thursday after I do the podcast, I I'm on a group text with my sons. And I do, I was, I, I thought it's the coolest thing that I go from doing a podcast with you, a Houston legend to then at noon today, recording with mattress Mac for our picks. And I just pinch myself when I get to do stuff like there's so many people that would trade spots with me to get to do this with you, that with Mac and all the other things we've gotten to do together through the years. So um, I really appreciate it as well and appreciate how kind you've been to my family too. And I also will continue doing my weekly video on Tuesday morning with Mattress Mac about Houston sports and tell James, I'm still upset about the triple overtime loss Baylor had to TCU. And I'm guessing Sammy <laughs> is like me and he hasn't recovered. I, I should have pulled you in on the group text for that one. I just sat back and watched the fireworks go back and I just pulled out a lawn chair and a cooler and I just Ooh. sat back and, Watch the text go back and forth on that one. That was that was crazy. Well, John, um, it won't be the same without you on the podcast. I know I'll be seeing you plenty around and, you know, around town. But for our audience here, this is the last you and I will be doing this. And I've enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you very much, Sean. All right. Good stuff. John McClain. And uh, we will continue on with the Utopia podcast next week, live from Vegas for the Super Bowl. Uh, plenty coming from out there. Um, so stay tuned for that. Uh, click that subscribe button and you'll get the podcast delivered to you wherever it is you get your podcast. Big thanks to James Jackson, our producer, who gets the podcast out to you so quickly each and every week, each and every episode. Uh, we appreciate James as well. So for James Jackson and John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time. See you all next week, live from Vegas for the Utopia football podcast.